0: Welcome to The CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students, and parents so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome back Pamela Pillow, who's the Assistant VP of Undergraduate Admissions at Sacred Heart University. Now, Pam joined us for Episode 10, which was a long time ago. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much for coming back. How are you, Pam?
1: Thank you so much, John. I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: I am doing great, and I'm so honored that you're back. Looking forward to having a uh, follow-up from episode 10. So Pam, as an alum of Sacred Heart University, and now having worked there for so many years, what are some of the things that you love about SHU?
1: Oh, that's a great question to start this podcast off. You know, Sacred Heart is just this wonderful community, and it really just isn't a catchphrase here. We care for each other. We care for our campus. Um, I have so many colleagues who are my friends, and they have been for many, many years. I've been here professionally now for 15 years, um, and those years just seem to go by so quickly um, because <laughs> of the friendships that we have. But you know, even as you know, I'll walk around campus. I'll interact with current students. We greet each other. We say hello. We say have a great day. We hold doors for each other. Uh, if there's a wrapper on the ground you know, we'll pick it up and throw it out in the garbage because we, you know, really care about the about the community, the campus grounds, keeping it clean, keeping it welcoming. So I would just say no task is too big, too small for us to care for the the campus community. And I think that's really, um, you know, what stands above and differentiates Sacred Heart from maybe some other places.
0: Well, that's terrific. And I've been on campus many times, full disclosure, my youngest of two, is currently a junior and the campus is beautiful. And I think you actually received an award at one point in time for like one of the nicest campuses. And it is true. You know, you walk around, people are holding doors, smiling, and really happy to be a part of the SHU family. So thank you so much for that intro, Pam. And since our last conversation, can you tell us about any recent developments or changes at Sacred Heart University that prospective students should be aware of? And do any of them impact the overall admissions process?
1: Wow. Well, there have been um, a few developments. I'll, I'll I'll try to highlight them kind of quickly. But certainly as it pertains to the admissions process, just over the last year, we had nearly a 14% increase in applications over wow. the last two years. Yeah. So... Um, this past year, we received over 14,000 applications for freshman admission here to Sacred Heart University. That doesn't include any apps for part-time students or transfer students as well. That's just our fr- first-time freshman cohort. Um, so for this year, for, for the prospective freshmen, we've added um, a few application plans to support the growing applicant pool. So we now have an er- uh, two early decision plans, an early decision one and an early decision two. Both of those plans are binding, meaning that Sacred Heart is the top choice of a candidate looking uh, here, and pending their admission, they do commit to attending. But in addition to those binding plans, we also have two early action plans, early action one and two. Those are both non-binding plans, so students can apply to SHU, apply to a number of other institutions and make their decision throughout the spring months uh, up until May 1st, um, and we certainly still review applications on a rolling basis. So, um, you know, to address the increase in applications and assist us with managing those applications, we've, we've added uh, some of those application plans to support there. Also new, just in terms of offerings here, and, and it also ties into the common application. We're a common application school. We now offer over 40 dual degree programs here at Sacred Heart, and actually the way we define dual degrees is earning both a bachelor's and a master's degree, and we actually consider students right at the point of freshman admission for admission to both of those degree programs. So uh, it allows students to um, sort of secure their seat, know they are on a seamless track, Without any type of reapplication process, another interview to progress into that graduate program. But there are just criteria that they need to progress, and that's clearly outlined um, in their acceptance letter. And there's also some dedicated web pages to this whole initiative as, as well. So um, we're really, really proud to offer those because more and more students now sort of have their. Sites set on professional programming that might require licensure or a graduate program, more experiential learning, and those dual degree programs really provide students with that. We're opening more residence halls to support the growing (laughs) population here. Um, We're renovating our performing arts center um, that will be just a tremendous enhancement to our dedicated space for choral, dance, theater, and band um, so that'll be wonderful that should open uh, this coming springtime here on campus. And uh, another new addition, also uh, impacting uh, kind of the admissions process is an option for uh, incoming freshmen to indicate an interest in our uh, study abroad location in Dingle, Ireland, which is a shoe-owned campus in Dingle, Ireland. And certainly students have the opportunity to study abroad throughout their time here, but we are now launching new the opportunity for freshmen to study abroad in their first semester wow. if they'd like. So <laughs> that's um, that's really new and exciting as well. I actually just had the opportunity to go to Dingle, Ireland for the first time
0: wow.
1: <laughs> uh, this past summer. And it was absolutely stunning. Um, it, it's beautiful. The people are wonderful. So welcoming. It's so safe. Um, I felt like I was just down the street from my home and I was, uh, you know, an Atlantic Ocean away from, from home. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was just wonderful. And the opportunities for students to learn in a unique setting with experiential learning there is really cool, too. So that's just a quick little synopsis of some of the new stuff here.
0: Well, that's awesome. I didn't know about the campus out in Ireland, which must be Mm -hmm. phenomenal, as you expressed, and over 40 dual degree programs that you could be accepted to as a freshman, which is something extremely unique. And Pam, I know firsthand about the many renovations and additions on campus over the last few years, being a parent of a student there myself, which of course are all wonderful additions. Usually when colleges are building additional dorms and being involved in other construction projects, It means that the school is thriving, gaining a lot of popularity, and therefore far more applications, as you indicated, are coming in. Can you share what the increase in applications has been over the last 10 years, how you handle the increase in the admissions office, and what do you think it's attributed to?
1: Yes, certainly. So, over the last ten years, going back to twenty thirteen or so, we uh, generated probably around eight thousand applications, and as I mentioned just before, we're we're now generating over fourteen thousand applications. So, you know, that's a significant increase, about a seventy five percent increase over those ten years. Um, here in our admissions office we we put the applications through a, a couple of thorough reads. so applications go through an initial read and then they move along to a committee uh, for the final review process. So to handle the additional application, we have hired some seasonal application readers and in many cases these are folks who may be retired from the profession, retired from the field, um, even some uh, we've had some former guidance counselors, sign up and, and uh, help us with seasonal application reading so folks who have a familiarity with the college search process and can kind of pick up on on uh, some key traits that we want to make sure are included in our review. But, you know, we've ma- remained true to sort of our mission. Um, you know, we're, we're pioneers. We, you know, we, we hold true <laughs> those uh, education principles. You know, we're, our growth has been strategic. Over Certainly over the last 10 years, probably expanding over the course of 15 years, trying to just respond to the future needs uh, of our campus community, um, offering more academic programs. Uh, as you, you know, John, you know we acquired the former General Electric campus. When General <laughs> Electric relocated to Boston, Massachusetts, their headquarters was just a quarter mile down the road from our main Park Avenue campus. So we acquired that facility. Um, and expanded that. In fact, there was a, a a New York Times article that that features that expansion just this past mm. week um, that was published, which is a um, a really good read. Not just about Sacred Heart, but some other campuses that are doing the same, expanding into some of these corporate uh, locations just to offer more rooms for innovation, um, unique programming. Um, you know, so we've really tried to be responsive to. Um, our students' needs certainly—they're uh, for their own wellness and dining services and residence halls, so that they maintain their own sort of uh, routines and wellness. But, but of course, on the academic side and, and preparing them um, for their professional careers.
0: Well, I could definitely attest to the fact that you were very mindful of the growth. As you said, your increase in application was somewhere around 75%. You added dorms, you acquired new buildings, you added major programs to your large list already. So it really is an amazing community to not only hear about, but also to be a part of. So thank you so much for that, Pam. We really appreciate it. And in our last conversation, you also talked about the importance of visiting campus, which I could tell you is one of the most beautiful campuses in the Northeast for sure. Thank you. Um, But while also mentioning the importance of coming back for something else. So if a student is able to visit campus, what are some of the sites that they should absolutely visit? And what are the types of questions they should be asking to help determine whether or not Sacred Heart University is the right fit for them?
1: That's a great question. I mean, obviously the visit is such a critical Piece of the college search process, but you know, sometimes those initial visits and tours, it's a lot to take in. Um, So you know that that follow up is is needed, and it doesn't have to be during the fall months as you're still building uh, your list of where the schools you're going to apply to. You can start to narrow it down once you get decisions and revisit campuses come the springtime. But I think it's a it's really critical to. First, examine the academic space. Right, you're going to college. You want you. to. You're there to learn. Um, you're there to learn and grow. So, I think the academic space is critical. You know, are the classrooms when when schools uh, talk about their student to teacher ratio or their average class size? Do those classrooms actually look commensurate with what's being published? Um, you know, do they hold more students than, uh, you know, 30 students to a classroom? Are you seeing more lecture halls than you are seeing more focused individualized classrooms that enable a little bit more of one-to-one instruction? What type of technology, you know, are you seeing in terms of uh, supporting your academic major or area of interest? Um, you know, Certainly in the health professions, for example, we have high fidelity mannequins that, you know, can have heart attacks or give birth. You know, Mm. so some of our students pursuing those fields can, you know, study these situations in a simulated safe space before they go into their live clinical setting. I could say the same for our communication and journalism fields or our engineering fields, you know, are the classrooms and the learning areas equipped with the necessary uh, tools for students to practice their trade. Um, I also think it's important to see some collaborative working spaces. You know, where can you go to study? <laughs> where can you go to meet with a group and get together and practice your presentations? You know, you you want to be able to see those types of spaces on campus. Certainly areas for recreation, fields, gyms, um, dining as well. I mean, you know, you uh, you really do call uh, a, a university home uh, for the next at least four years, some some more if you're pursuing a graduate program. So you want to be able to, um, you know, keep yourself well as you're um, pursuing college mentally and physically. And then I, I would say really a, um, a recommended sort of add-on when you go back to visit an institution is try to connect with a current student. Prospective students love to talk to current students, and there's a reason for that. You know, they're, You know, you can really re- they really relate to each other. Um, and we'll try and find students who are interested in the same things that you're interested in. Maybe pursuing the same type of major that maybe you have your sights set on. Um, to get a real understanding of what kind of the typical day is like for them, I, I really think that that's a critical piece of the college search process as as students start to narrow down their choice.
0: Well, those are great pieces of advice, and I love how you talk about the follow-up visit and how important it is to ask questions such as student-to-teacher ratio, class sizes, whether or not you have lecture halls, or is it more of a one-to-one feel, uh, what technology is available. And I love the mannequins that you described that seem so cool within your nursing programs and beyond, but also to check out the recreation, dining areas on campus, off campus. And I love the advice talk to a current student. The students that give the tours are amazing, they're awesome, they're gonna show you every corner of the uh, campus. But in addition to that, just go sit on a bench, go to a dining hall, find some current students so that you could really get a feel, the pulse of what the shoe community is all about. So thank you so much for that overview, Pam. We really appreciate it. And you touched upon it earlier, in terms of the different ways that a student may apply. You now have an ED1, an ED2, early action, one and two as well. So so many different ways to apply. Pam, is there a benefit to applying one way over the other in order to, you know, ensure your acceptance, if you will, <laughs> or help your acceptance? <laughs> it's
1: a great question. We we do get it often. Applying your application plan is unique to each candidate, each family's situation. There is no benefit on application plan. We are evaluating candidates who are applying to SHU based on their admissibility, one to Sacred Heart, and sometimes there is um, a consideration based on the specific program um, that they're pursuing, depending on the competitive nature of that individual program. But we're also looking at their engagement in our community so i mean if if a candidate is admissible and wants to be engaged in our community we are strongly considering them regardless of application plan that they are applying through so really the application plan comes down to family choice Um, you know certainly if sacred heart stands out to be a top choice school that a student wants to attend here assuming they are admitted, then early decision might be a a plan that families strongly consider. If they're still weighing options, um, you know, if they haven't totally made up their mind just yet, then early action is, is, is our largest and most popular. Early action one is our most popular application plan. You know, sometimes students want to wait for a full semester of grades to come through. Um, or they're involved maybe in an internship program and they'd really love to have a letter of recommendation from their supervisor help to support their application in their first semester of senior year in high school. In that case, waiting for early action two or regular admission to make sure that your file really has all the factors that you feel best presents you for consideration, uh, that's great too. So like I said, there are a few situations unique to each individual candidate that might dictate when they decide to complete their application or which application they decide to apply under. Um, but we're here to support them through the whole process.
0: I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a shock tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. Sean, welcome back. How you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one on one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code college talk, one word, just college talk, and that'll give you 30% off all Prep Expert SAT courses, ACT courses. Or one on one tutoring packages, make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast.
0: Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I wanna be transparent with you that for every purchase made, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert Affiliate Partnership link in the show notes. And now, let's get back to the show. So a question that comes up a lot is merit-based scholarships, Pam. Mm -hmm. So if if I may ask, if a student applies ED, early action, or regular decision, how does the merit-based scholarships change?
1: Here at Sacred Heart University, the merit-based scholarship will be the same regardless of application plan. We determine merit-based aid based on the high school GPA, and it's solely the high school GPA. Um, So there is no change in merit-based awards uh, regardless of what application plan a student applies under.
0: Awesome. And thank you so much for that because I know a lot of parents that I speak to and actually that have emailed me ask similar questions like that. So we appreciate uh, hearing about it. So Pam, for students who are particularly passionate about a certain major or program at Sacred Heart, how much weight does their choice of major have on the admissions decision and are there any specialized criteria for certain programs?
1: Here at Sacred Heart University, um, there are a few programs that are more competitive than others. One is our nursing program, which is, by the way, a freshman direct admit program only. So anyone who might be interested in pursuing the nursing field, I would strongly encourage them to apply nursing to be considered as a freshman to our freshman direct admit nursing program. But because it is a freshman admit program only, um, and because of the clinical nature of the program and uh, the need for us to ensure that all of our students go through clinicals, um, we, are, uh, we are a bit capped in terms of How many students we can take into the university, although we do have the largest nursing program in the state and we do take uh, in over 350 nursing students each year. So we do have have a, a, a really supportive and quality program for those who want to become nurses. Um, We also have some dual degrees, particularly in the health profession fields um, that are uh, managed by accrediting bodies that that also monitor and manage the capacity of these programs to ensure that the students are getting their clinical experiential learning that's needed for licensure. So for these particular programs, nursing, um, programs like our our dual degree in master's and physician assistant studies program, They are more competitive. And we are looking um, very strongly at the students' academic record, in particular, their math and science coursework over the last four years of high school, um, how they've progressed in in those courses as well, um, because we want to be sure that these students are well prepared for the curriculums here at Sacred Heart. So for those particular programs, we are evaluating candidates based on their admissibility to those competitive programs. But we are also always going to evaluate candidates for admission to Sacred Heart in general. So we offer students who may not meet the criteria for those competitive programs the opportunity to come to Sacred Heart and select a different major or pre-professional program that can still allow them to accomplish their goals. So to answer your question specifically, yes, major can can impact our admission decision to certain programs, but we are always going to try to find a way for a candidate who really finds Sacred Heart to be a good overall fit and, again, wants to be engaged in the community here. We are always going to consider them for admission to Sacred Heart, but maybe to a different major that still allows them to accomplish their goals.
0: Well, that's really good to know. You gave the example if a student is applying to your nursing program, which is obviously extremely competitive because of the clinicals, there's only approximately about three hundred and fifty spots. If a student should fall short for that degree for that major, you might offer them acceptance into your overall program and ask them to consider a different major, which I think is phenomenal. Now, if they're denied initially into the major, will they have opportunities to apply again later on? or, It's only a direct admit as a freshman, and that's it.
1: That's a great question. For nursing, uh, it is a freshman. Uh, admit program. So unfortunately, there's no opportunity to transfer into that particular program. However, we do have another pathway towards RN licensure here, and it's called our second degree accelerated program. So students pursue a bachelor's degree, typically in biology or health professions, a a field that allows them to accomplish all the necessary prerequisites for nursing. And then we have a 15-month program that allows students to uh, earn their RN licensure after their bachelor's degree, so we do have a pathway um, because we do have students who come here and realize they want to be a nurse while they're currently enrolled at Sacred Heart University. So um, we have certainly options for folks who who want to be a nurse. For all the other programs here at Sacred Heart, changing majors, uh, moving from one college to another college, truthfully, it, it's pretty seamless. I will say the the earlier in the college. Um, uh, academic experience to be making these changes, probably the better in terms of a student's ability to um, maintain that timeline towards graduation. Um, but our advisors are very diligent and they really are are, are very helpful in terms of helping students um, change majors, uh, switch programs. And in terms of our dual degree programs and all of our graduate programs, students can always reapply to a graduate program here at Sacred Heart University, even if it's not one that was on their radar as, you know, a 17 or 18-year-old applicant as a freshman. So um, we have a lot of one-on-one counseling, a lot of advisors who are here to assist students throughout the process and help them attain their goals.
0: And they're awesome. I could speak uh, (laughs) from experience how great the counselors are at SHU. So thank you so much. you. You have so many dual degree programs and your different pathways. It really is a school where there is something for everyone. So Pam, beyond academic achievements, what kind of extracurricular activities or experience do you value when evaluating applicants? And can you provide examples of how students have showcased their passions and talents throughout their application?
1: I think the best way for students to really showcase the type of extracurricular activities, how much involvement they lend to those types of involvement and activities is interviewing. We strongly encourage an interview with our admission counselors uh, for all applicants. An interview is actually required for students applying as an early decision candidate. Because that plan is binding, we want to make sure that all the questions are answered, that you know, we have a clear understanding of that candidate and what that candidate really wants to be involved in uh, on our campus community once they arrive here. So the interview is required for early decision candidates, but strongly recommended for everyone else. And that's, I mean, at least in my own experience when working individually with students, that's really how I've been able to truly understand how much passion a student has about a particular area of interest. I mean, um, it's always amazing to me, you know. Students are so entrepreneurial now, and I think back to when I was, you know, their age. You know, I, I I'm not sure that maybe I had access to or knew of some of them even start up their own businesses as you know 15, 16 year olds. And um, I really just so enjoy hearing um, the passions and talents that some of our applicants have. It really just continues to wow me every day.
0: They're definitely amazing. I look at my own students where I work, and uh, you know they are entrepreneurial. So many of them, so many of them have side hustles, and they really are unbelievable. This is the second time, you know, in episode ten, and here again, where you're talking about the importance of interviewing with your counselor. So many people are afraid to reach out. They think it's a negative thing. They think that, oh my god, if I reach out, my child's application is going to go in the no pile. You heard it here from Pam. That is not true. Definitely reach out. You Please want that interview. Out. And it's required if you're applying ED. So we appreciate that insight. And Pam, of course, letters of recommendation, another huge part of the overall application, often coming from teachers or counselors who know the student really well. Could you elaborate on what makes a recommendation letter stand out?
1: Absolutely. You know, um, I I talked about just how the interview sometimes uh, allows students to showcase their true passions and talents. Sometimes on paper, um, our candidates are a bit too modest, you know, so you need another voice to really um, showcase what you're involved in and, and the extent of uh, of your involvement in some of these um, clubs and organizations, the commitment that you have. And that's where the letters of recommendation really come into play. You know, teachers, counselors, coaches, instructors can really provide that context to us of, the trend, the level of commitment um, to different clubs, organizations, teams, performing arts sort of in, involvements as well. So, um, you know, recently, too, we've noticed a trend where some schools, um, they don't rank students much any longer. We don't get a lot of school reports that that indicate a class rank. Um, sometimes, you know, even we have to recalculate GPAs because GPAs might be on different scales. So sometimes the letters of recommendation can really give us some, some input, too. For those students who um, are, you know, are strong academically, the counselor might say, this student is in the top 10 or top 20% of our class. And that really gives us some context when we may not otherwise have that information just looking at a school report. So the letters of recommendation are extremely critical.
0: Well, we appreciate that. And I like how you talked about the fact that you recalculate the GPA because, of course, coming from so many high schools from throughout the country, everybody has a different way of weighing or not in terms of the courses that they offer in their high schools. So thank you for touching upon that. And in our last conversation, you also indicated that you do track demonstrated interest, which is something that comes up a lot when I talk to students and their parents. So what are some effective ways for students to express their interest and how does it come into play throughout your admissions process?
1: I think the best way to um, illustrate demonstrated interest, in addition to certainly visiting and partaking in, in the admission-sponsored events, is connection with your admission counselor. Um, you know, now so many students are, have a comfort level with texting Our counselors, likewise, have a real comfort level with texting, and sometimes just that occasional question, outreach, um, confirmation, you know, if if we are confirming that you're attending an event, just, yep, got it, looking forward to it, just that uh, interaction with your admissions counselor um, can really go a long way to helping us understand uh, sort of where you are in your decision-making process. and. A lot of schools now um, will utilize just sort of these survey tools where, you know, we send an email and we just ask some questions and ask you to easily respond um, by checking off some boxes. You know, utilize those tools. Like I said, it, it really helps us. Sometimes we can tailor Um, If you have questions about a certain area, we can tailor that messaging or even connect you with faculty or advisors on campus who can best address a question if it's really something that's kind of holding you up in your decision-making process. But your admission counselor should really be your first and most often point of contact, especially with a school that's sort of trending to the top of your interest list.
0: Well, that's great advice, and you heard it here first. Text your counselor, as Pam said, you know, reach out confirming attendance at an event if you have a question, and hopefully it's a question that's not easily found on their website, but certainly feel free to reach out. They want to hear from you, and especially at Sacred Heart University, it can help you within your overall process. So as the Assistant Vice President of Undergraduate Admissions, Pam, you've likely seen a wide range of application essays. Are there any common pitfalls that you recommend students avoid in their essays? And what qualities or themes do you find that resonate well, not only with you, but with the admissions committee?
1: I am looking forward to go- getting back into the essay reading uh, <laughs> portion of our jobs very soon. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I, the, you know, an essay should, we always say an essay should embrace the four C's, correctness, content, clarity, and creativity. Um, I would say the most common pitfall are those that maybe lack clarity, are a bit less organized, um, maybe try and touch on too many themes. So I would always recommend that a candidate write an essay that highlights a topic of resiliency, commitment, goal setting, or even a unique attribute about an applicant that I would not know otherwise as an application reader. Talk about maybe what are you proud of? You know what what's a what's such a strong interest of yours? Um, you, you know the essay is just really an opportunity for us to get to know the applicant, much different than what we just would read normally on a on a common application prompt. So um, take your time. You know, have someone read through it for you um, before you actually hit submit on the common application. And um, I I really look forward to, to reading some great essays this application season.
0: Well, that's awesome. And obviously there's multiple parts of the application. The transcript tells you about the academic journey. The activity sheet tells you about what the student has done outside of class. The essay is the one place where you're actually hearing the student's voice. So students, it's very important to be mindful of that and ask the question of someone who reads your essay, did they learn something new? about you by reading that essay. If they have, then you're on the right track. If they haven't, if you're just repeating what's on your activity sheet, it's a missed opportunity in the overall process. Would you agree or not? I couldn't agree more. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And Pam, can you explain what opportunities does SHU offer students that may have had an IEP while in high school in terms of helping to ensure that they continue to be successful once they're on your campus?
1: Absolutely, we have um, a wide array of accommodations here at Sacred Heart University, all included in the regular f- full-time tuition rate as well. So there's no um, no addition in terms of fees that are needed for any accommodations. Um, we are our, our academic success um, and accommodations um, area. There's a thorough website so prospective families can go to our website. All you have to do is type in accommodations in the search bar on the Sacred Heart website, and all the necessary information will come up. If a student has had an IEP throughout their studies um, of elementary, middle school, high school, education, we would encourage a student to pursue the accommodations process here at Sacred Heart University. You want to be sure that any accommodations that you've had are in place for you when you come to college in order for you to be successful. You know, it, it's it's often common though that as students start to grow and develop and get into their own routine, that they may not even need some of the services that they've had um, anymore. And 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 you know, it, that's something that you can work with with the counselors and all of the student success advisors that we have here at Sacred Heart University. But still go through that accommodations process because you do want those supports to be there if they are needed. And we have a, a wide array of supports, um, a number of, of folks who are, who are really experienced in this field, um, you know, to support, uh, you know, our student body here at Sacred Heart.
0: Well, you absolutely do, and as I mentioned in episode 10, my own daughter had an IEP while in high school, and because of your Office of Accountability, the transition from high school into college was truly seamless. During That's her great. first semester, she was meeting with a counselor every single week. By the second semester of freshman year, she wasn't meeting with her, frankly, at all. And at this point in time, every once in a while, you know, she'll need a tutor or some extra help, you know, and she'll check in, but the point being is that it's there for each and every student, there are no additional fees, and as you said, it's encouraged. It's really encouraged if you need it to take part of it to advocate for yourself. Because SHU, you, I can speak firsthand, has one of the best Office of Accessibilities that are out there. So thank you so oh, much. Thank for you, having. John.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and, and y- you well, know, really you mentioned. Thank you, and you mentioned the tutoring. You know, students don't need to have uh, a documented accommodation on right. on record to take advantage right. of tutoring, or even our like a math lab, or a writing lab, or a peer Correct. tutor that we have. So Um, Yeah, wide array, wide array of uh, student support services to help them achieve their goals.
0: And they're awesome, as is Sacred Heart University. So Pam, what about students aspiring to play sports in college? I know that you were an athlete yourself. You mentioned it again in episode 10. So what advice do you have for prospective student athletes in terms of making their intentions to play known?
1: Excellent. Yeah, I was a former Division One tennis player here <laughs> many, many years ago. Um, I know those years—they tell you—they go by too quick. Um, so, for prospective student athletes, those of you who um, are considering playing at the Division One level, Sacred Heart is a Division One school. We have thirty-three Division One NCAA sports. Uh, we have recruiting questionnaires, um, and they exist on all of the Division One team's websites. So the first place to go is to the team that you're interested in and complete that recruiting questionnaire, which will go directly to the head coach uh, and the coaching staff. I do recommend following up with the coaching staff. um, Prospective D1 athletes um, typically have like a video or at least a a solid resume of statistics um, towards uh, how you've been performing, certainly in recent years, uh, that a D1 coach may be interested in. So um, I would start there. I think that's probably the best um, course of action if you are interested in pursuing uh, a position at the D1 level. But also consider, you know, for those of you who have been involved in sports your whole life, it's a passion, something that you want to continue to be involved in, especially with others who have, you know, have also been involved in that sport and want to continue to compete. Um, many schools, Sacred Heart being one of them, have robust club sport programming as well. And and we do here in our club sports programs. Uh, we have over 35 club sports with a dedicated Uh, athletic director, with uh, academic support services, with athletic training services. So in many ways, you know, mimics um, the support services of division one athletes, but the commitment to a club sport is certainly not to the extent uh, of division one, where division one athletes might commit 25 to 30 hours a week, you know, in their practice and weightlifting and training and competition. Club sports, maybe just eight or ten hours a week, so um, it might be some a way of staying engaged in your sport. Um, you know, meeting meeting friends, making friends at at different age levels too, um, but you know, at a different maybe level than uh, than Division One. So there are a lot of opportunities, particularly here at Sacred Heart, to remain engaged in your sport of interest. Or maybe even multiple sports of interest if you're at the club club level um, uh, and, uh, and and still, you know, like I said, remain engaged.
0: Well, that's terrific. Obviously, there's lots of opportunities for everyone. And Pam, as you know, if there are any links or anything else that you want me to share with the students and parents, just send them to me, and I'll gladly put them in the show notes for everyone. Excellent. so this this has been a phenomenal conversation, as I knew it would be, Pam, but I have to ask you. Is there a question I didn't ask that you wish I had or anything else about Sacred Heart University that you think would be valuable for our listeners to know?
1: You know, Sacred Heart uh, just has really transformed itself in, in, in recent years. Um, but we just celebrated our 60th anniversary. So we were founded uh, in 1963. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, we are, we're a young institution at heart. Uh, I mentioned sort of that just sense of resiliency, but I really think, um, you know, we have sort of like a grit uh, about us and, you know, we're (laughs) willing to do what we need to do for the betterment of our community. Uh, and we found a way of, of, of progressing. So we went residential just in the 90s. And uh, and now, you know certainly the residence halls that that we have here. We're an institution with 6,500 undergraduate students and a total enrollment of over 11,000 students. So, uh, we are the second largest Catholic institution in New England, just behind Boston College, and uh, and and we're proud. We're proud to be am- among um, uh, certainly. Uh, with with like a Boston College, um, we would look to as an aspirant institution. So, you know, we, um, we we've come a long way in in some short years, and uh, we really continue to have a desire to attract the students. Like I said, I keep kind of mentioning who want to be engaged in our campus community, and that's because we're only as good as as the students here. And um, we've come a long way, I think, because of. The young alumni and and the folks who are really invested in continuing to to help this institution grow and develop. So um, we look forward to working with a lot of prospective families this season. Continuing to give that personalized attention, though, even though we've grown, that commitment to um, uh, uh, you know making sure we we get to know individuals and answer all of their questions remains uh, a, a real priority. Certainly to me and uh, to the folks in undergraduate admissions and financial aid as well.
0: Well, you guys truly are pioneers. That is the mascot, go pioneers. And that's the thing, you know, Sacred Heart University is not stagnant, right? You're not waiting for anyone to tell you what to do. You're really looking ahead, you have that vision to really offer something for everyone and you never stop whether it's your programs, whether it's the buildings, whether it's fostering that sense of community for your students and your faculty. It's really something that uh, my family and I are really proud to be a part of. So thank you so much, Pam, for all that you do on your campus and for your time today. Unfortunately, it does lead us to our last question, which is, what are your top three pieces of advice that you would provide students and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process?
1: All right. Oh, man. This went by too quick, John. We got to do it again.
2: Um, We (laughs) will. Okay,
1: good. So, three pieces of advice. Well, this year is a bit unique just in terms of changes that are coming to the FAFSA filing for federal aid. So, I do recommend that families utilize resources, um, attend financial aid planning sessions, certainly at high schools. We are offering some here, Um, we're offering some dedicated sessions on financial aid. But for those who are interested in Sacred Heart, if you come across any questions or concerns related to changes in the financial aid process, please don't hesitate to contact our student financial assistance office and they will certainly help you. They have dedicated reps. They break up sort of the candidate pool based on last name so that you will have a representative and actually that representative sticks with you through your entire time here at Sacred Heart University. So they really get to know your family's situation as well to continue to aid you throughout any needs that you might have. I mentioned the open houses. Um, Fall is the season for open house events. They are a (laughs) great way to get to know an institution. You know, the faculty, the students, uh, the staff uh, are representing their various majors Attend open houses. Um, it's an opportunity to meet other current students, certainly faculty, administrators, and staff. And then I would say my final piece of advice is just to stay organized. <laughs> I strongly recommend that applicants, you know, maybe even parents, maintain a separate email account, certainly the applicant, um, because as you go through the process and even as you transition, once you make your decision on a college uh, into the summer months and attend orientation, sometimes your high school email address gets shut off. So if you maintain a separate email for all of your college applications and even outside scholarships maybe that you're applying to, that will continue to remain active and um, you can continue to get all the pertinent information you need even once you make your college choice and commit to an institution. So it's uh it's certainly an exciting time, but it it can come with a a little bit of anxiousness too uh, and questions. So, uh, we're here for you. Uh, I know uh, I'm I'm personally willing to connect with families who have any questions. We have dedicated admission counselors who uh, are are traveling and and visiting your high schools as well um, all fall, but they are there for you too. We're happy to answer any questions you might have throughout the process. And we really look forward to, uh, to reviewing, uh, so many applications this, this coming season.
0: Well, Pam, thank you so much for that. Great pieces of advice. And I just want to repeat one thing because it's a theme that's come up a lot, the separate email account students that is so important, particularly if you're using a high school account, not only as Pam indicated, could it get shut down? but many times the restrictions on it are so strong that things will go into a spam folder and you may miss an important message from a college or a university. So great advice to have a separate email for the college process. Pam, can't thank you enough for coming back a second time. You were truly awesome. Sacred Heart is so blessed to have you as were we today. And I'm so happy as I know that this is gonna help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the process. Hope to have you again soon, Pam. Thank you Uh, so much.
1: (laughs) You're so kind. Thank you, John. Have a great night.
0: Our pleasure, and good luck to everyone out there. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding-to-storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes.